1: It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham SC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show. Today, we'll be looking back at Fulham's 2-0 win over Forest. It sounds comfortable. It was comfortable for the most part. There was a couple of nervy moments towards the end, but Mana Solomon's first goal for Fulham wrapped it up a comprehensive win over our fellow promoted side and back up to seventh in the league it was a much needed victory it had been a little while since our league victory over chelsea and spirits were high yesterday at craven cottage here to dissect everything that happened yesterday and answer some of your questions is drew heatley hello hi sammy Farrell Monk, hello.
3: Hello, spirits were certainly very high after the game and until the early hours of the morning, that's for sure.
1: There we go. And making his pod debut, Harry Durham, welcome to Fulhamish. Hey guys, hey Durham. Good, thank you. Nice to have you on and nice to discuss such a just comprehensive, easy 2-0 win. It's not always the way that people get to enjoy their debuts on Fulhamish, so you're very, very lucky, sir.
2: (laughs) Grateful to be here. Thank you so much for the invite.
1: All right, let's do some three-word reviews from yesterday's win. I did initially ask Farrell to do this, but he was too busy wrapped up watching Cologne. Uh, How did they get on, Farrell?
3: A resounding 3-0 victory over uh, Eintracht Frankfurt.
1: Wow, Europa League winners, Eintracht Frankfurt. You've had a great weekend, a Fulham win, a Cologne win. Things are looking good.
3: Yeah, apart from Sunday League this morning, but let's not talk about that.
1: Oh dear, <laughs> heroes of Waterloo with a stinker <laughs> this morning by no, by no doubt. Uh, Drew, what were the best three-word views that came in?
0: Uh, we had a lot of nice ones this week. There was a lot of narrative threads that lend themselves to wordplay. And obviously, forest is always, uh, is always fair game for it. So uh, yeah. we've got uh, M at EFP23 with The Renaissance Continues, which I think we'll talk about later. Just fantastic from Tim once again. Um, <laughs> they got Daniel at Read All Over. He is really good. Uh, we're going to keep getting now, aren't we? As as yeah. all variations of as Solomon <laughs> comes to the fore. Um, Jimmy B. good. Uh, complete cottage deforestation. Uh, DJH with quality, knots quantity, which will wind up the forest fans as they don't like being called Knots Forest. Um, hmm. A little known fact. Um, Ashley Dennis with quality over quantity, uh, which is something that I really agree with. I think uh, that really shone through yesterday. And uh, some young whippersnapper who looks like he's good with words. Drew Heatley says wood worked for it. I think he's going to go far.
1: <laughs> you put your own three word review in there. That
0: is narcissistic. Give me the ball. Give me the ball and I'll run with it. Oh, oh, wow. All
1: right. Well, I guess you're in control. You can do what you like. It's up to you what you uh, what you do with that power and you've used, uh, you've chosen to abuse it. Uh, <laughs> Harry, let's look at the game yesterday. I mean, just overall, apart from maybe a nervy spell from about minute 75 to 85, where I was fully convinced that Forrest were going to get an undeserved equaliser. It was just a rampant full performance. So many nine or 10 out of 10 performances. Willian, Ream, Harrison Reed, even Bert Leno came in with a couple of good saves. All in all, just a great afternoon by the cottage. And, and what was needed after a few league games without a win? Not that we'd played badly. We'd played good teams in that run, but we needed a goal. It'd been a little while. We needed a win. It was well. So overall, just, just perfect, really.
2: You were saying then. I I can't actually think of a poor performance on the pitch yesterday. I think everyone played to the best of their ability and probably beyond.
1: Maybe Mitrovic.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Do you know what? I completely forgot he was on the pitch and he should have been pulled <laughs> earlier. Um, I slammed him yesterday. To be honest with you, but that's. We'll get into that later on. We will. Indeed. I'm sure. Um, just I. Impressed is just like the wrong word to use for this Fulham team. I don't think any of us in this call right now really expected us to be in the position that we're in. We didn't expect Marco Silva to probably have this sort of impact in the Premier League. We didn't think that Andreas Pereira would be the ball in number 10 that he's turned out to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm lost for words really to describe that performance yesterday and this whole season completely because we're in dreamland right now. Let's be quite frank, and yeah. everyone from Leno Mitrovic is an exception. Yesterday, but Willian, man, <laughs> I you know you see those guys with the Brazilian fags under for football matches. I'm I'm almost there, almost there, <laughs> ordering a Brazilian fag of Amazon. I'm in love.
1: Yeah, what a performance from um, from Willian yesterday. He was finished. He was gone. His career is written off after Arsenal. He had all the problems when he went back to Brazil. Uh, I mean, Drew, it was just sensational from him yesterday. And that goal. I mean, he has absolutely no right no right from where he is. He's got five players between him and the top corner. It's the only place he could have put it. And he found it past Kaelor Navas, for God's sake. Like when that went in, I, it was one of those goals. I didn't celebrate. I just stood there with my hands on my head, just like, oh, he hasn't just done that. <laughs>
0: it was absolutely exceptional wasn't it i mean that that poor poor forest player i mean not only was he sent for a hot dog he was literally just a mass of muscle and bone because he'd been fully skinned by uh by Brazilian <laughs> maestro it was um i mean both guys yesterday were ones of extreme quality but that one was absolutely incredible and with his weaker foot as well and you just look at where it hits in the goal and it could not have been a better place you talk about top bins postage stamps all of the cliches it was it was absolutely all of them and you know, there's not been any doubt for the last, well, since he came to the club, really, that we've got the, uh, we've got Chelsea, Willian and not the Arsenal one. But yeah, it was fantastic uh, from start to finish. And you just think, you know, if he hadn't had that Arsenal spell, then there's absolutely no chance it will be in SW6 this season. So, you know, God bless him for that, because uh, he's the sort of player that, you, you know, you don't get unless he had something to prove. And luckily he did. And, you know. We talk about Silver saying, "Oh, uh, you know, if I had any doubts at all about his quality, I wouldn't have signed him." And thank God for that, because you know, I think everybody, to a man or a woman, in the certainly on Twitter certainly had their own reservations about him. And I'm I'm sitting here, you know, tucking into it, it's it's Victoria sponge around Craven Cottage, isn't it? But I'm tucking, tucking into humble pie uh, and <laughs> gladly because uh, it was a fantastic performance, fantastic goal, um, and a really emotional day for for the for the boys who scored. So well done, William.
1: I mean, Farrell, I feel like also this win against Forest being a a fellow promoted club is such a benchmark. And everyone was talking about Forest in the summer and Forest signings and Forest signing 31 players and all the money that they'd spent. And I think a lot of pundits, and, and I'm not necessarily digging them out here, because I think they had every reason to predict that Forest would do better than Fulham. But so many people thought that Fulham would struggle and Forest would do well. And on the basis of yesterday, we are miles better than Nottingham Forest, absolutely miles better.
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that certainly shows in the table. They've actually had a pretty good restart to the, to their season after the world cup. And yesterday just completely blew that out of the water about where each of the team, each of these teams are. Um, And, (laughs) you know, we've been through this process before when we've come up and we've, tried to strengthen in pretty much every position times two. And we've seen that how difficult it is for for these teams to gel quite so quickly. And Steve Cooper is probably thinking, uh, how am I going to do this? I know I've got good players in and around, but how am I going to get them all into the team at the same time and playing well? Um, Obviously, it doesn't help from their point of view that two centre-backs go off at the same time in the same passage of play and injuries after, what was it, six or seven minutes? Yeah. Um, but you know they've got lots of players to come on, and that's obviously unsettled. What was quite interesting is actually they got better when they brought on two of their newer players, and John Joe Selvey and Emmanuel Dennis. Um, yeah. But again, it, it it shows that he knows he's got this this talented squad, but how to sort of like put them in the right positions, and then he's always going to be playing catch up, like Fulham did two years ago, and the and the two seasons before that. Um, but yeah, again, back to let let's. Let's reflect on Fulham again. Like, you know, I, I've I've been critical of players like Andres Pereira early in the season, but probably yesterday was his best performance so far this season. Combined with his midfield with Reed and Paulinia and Willian and Bobby de Reed, Frulier and and Mangala were like not just chasing shadows; like they were chasing like the the dust clouds that are left from cartoons when they speed away. They just couldn't get close <laughs> to them at all. It was it was so nice to watch how active they were on and off the ball all the way through. It was complete dominance. Yes, there were some nervy moments in that sort of second, uh, you know, in the middle half of the second. But to be honest, I could not see... Um, any other winner yesterday than Fulham all the way through. It was, it was so, it was so lovely.
1: I mean, I, I, Farrell referred to it there, Harry, we do have to slightly caveat yesterday with yeah. a double injury after seven minutes. And um, <laughs> they said on match of the day, but not with a huge amount of conviction, but they said it's the earliest any team ever in Premier League history has made a double substitution. And, and I didn't even see the Scott McKenna injury. I saw that Willie Bolly was down, but I didn't even notice that Scott McKenna went off. I thought it was tactical at the time. I was like, wow, Steve (laughs) Steve Cooper's really not happy with that opening five minutes. And then obviously he signed and saw him limping. You're like, Oh, actually I think this might be a double injury. Um, and, and, and any team, Man City, I don't care who it is. If you lose both your centre-backs, yes, you might have some strength <laughs> and depth. Unfortunately, Forrest do. But if you're going to lose both your centre-backs in the first five minutes, it's not looking great, is it? That, that is a shot in the arm that maybe a bit of context has got to be applied to yesterday. They did struggle after that, and, and kind of understandably so. So would we.
2: Yeah, but at the same time as well, it's sport. Do you know what I mean? Like... Mm. If we never know, we could have beaten them 5-0 if those players are still left on the pitch. But at the same time, I think I'm going back to what you said there, I think it was Danny Murphy last night said it was the same position and it was exactly the same injury and they both went down at exactly the same time. That is something that's pro- apparently never happened in the Premier League within like the first 10 minutes of a match. But like I said, we don't know what the outcome could have been if those two players were wrong. But when they brought on Felipe... I thought he was probably one of the game changers at the back for Forrest yesterday. It's certain dominance as far as I'm concerned. I know Willian obviously did score the opening goal and then Selomon scored again. But him and Shelby, for me, were the difference makers. And Felipe doesn't even have any Premier League experience. But credit to Steve Cooper as well, going for experience in John Joe Shelby and bringing him in. So I think as a whole as well, I think Forrest will be safe if you look at it from the outset.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I thought John Cho Shelby was kind of class when he came on. Yes, yeah, he just, he just was strolling about. I is that a new chant, by the way? Harry Potter is coming for you, or is that <laughs> is that centuries old?
3: Because I thought that was genius. It's a really old one, I'm afraid. Uh, oh, that's such a
0: shame.
1: I was yeah. thinking the wit. I was like, my god, I've, that's that's new on me. But I, I kind of thought like it's too, almost too good. Like, surely, like we didn't <laughs> create that. But um, yeah, I, I
3: still, I still, I still giggled. We probably stole it from Brentford. We stole everything from Brentford. Oh don't we? yes,
1: that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Brentford would have done it before us, obviously, of course, obviously. Um, I mean, Drew, we should have been tunnel up at halftime. That's maybe the only disappointment when you think about that first half was we had a lot of good chances, particularly Mitrovic. And look, we might come on to say that Mitrovic didn't have the best game yesterday, but if he'd have actually scored that goal, it was only a fantastic save from Cable and Avis that stopped it going in the way he skinned both players bursting into the box. That seems like a new trick. It obviously worked kind of at Sunderland as well. Um, I think we might be talking about Mitro in a in a slightly different light. He needs that goal, and when that didn't go in, that was that was probably another confidence blow because he must be thinking, "What else have I got to do? I've skinned two players here and still not managed to to find the back of the net." Mitro early in the season last season does finish that, um, but yeah, Fulham should have been much further up. Bobby hit the bar. Pereira went close. I mean, it was it turned into like shooting practice by the end of the first half, didn't it? <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, with Mitro, we've been here before, haven't we? Many, many times. We know he's a patchy player, and in, and I mean that in the most endearing way possible. Because when he's in a, when he's in a purple patch, my god, he's in a purple patch. But he's a confidence based player, and we have these times where he doesn't. He's not firing on all cylinders, and he can get frustrated, and he can look. He can cut a forlorn figure, and. For now, I don't worry about it so much, especially if we're getting goals from other areas, because I know that he'll come good. He'll get one off his backside or he'll get one, you know, he'll score a world or whatever he ends up doing, and he'll, and he'll be back again. And it will be like when you stick the, the knife up the ketchup bottle and it all comes out. So <laughs> I'm not worried about Mitrovic in the slightest. Um so you know, good luck to him for that. But um, yeah, Deck, uh, Reed's uh one off the crossbar was John Harley esque. When I could see it from the Hammersmith end, it was like a, a proper swazer, a um, little bit too high. But uh, it, yeah, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was going to be a little uh, carbon copy of John Harley's. It was funny before the game, I was saying. Maybe, you know, to try and get these goal, elusive goals that were, were eluding us in the last few games. The easiest way to change things without changing the formation is to to mix up the wingers. So maybe we, you know, bring on uh, Wilson and Solomon after the Sunderland game. But then I'll, <laughs> the guys I was with, including my dad, were like, um, sorry, you forget about William. And I was like, yep, sure. Sorry. Um, and then obviously he proves me wrong. And but then you've got Declan Reid who has just been so good this season. His, his telepathy with Tete is, you know, something that I don't think anyone else would be able to replicate at this stage. So you can't even change the wingers. But actually, it didn't matter because they both came for it. So uh, yeah, not worried about Vichovic. We should have been definitely, uh, definitely two or three up. But uh, I'd have to Declan Reid to mark what's been a good season for him with a with a spectacular goal. But it wasn't to be.
1: I was in the hammy end bogs for that one. So I'm quite, I was, I was reasonably glad that it hit the bar, um, you know, 35 minutes. I was doubt. I was like, I can't bear the halftime rush. I'm going to, I'm going to quickly uh, go out. Anyone else in the Hammersmith then knows like, about 35 minutes. You have to make a decision. Right? It's either now or never, either that or you're waiting to the second half to, uh, to get a nice clean ru- uh, run to the bogs. Um, Farrell, let, let's come on to Mitrovic and it clearly by the second half was. I feel like it got to his head. Like as I say, I thought in the first half he was fine. I thought he kind of looks like fit and sharp. And that move where he nearly scored was would have been sublime. And I don't think we'd be having that converse, this conversation if that goes in. But second half, he he cut a bit of a frustrated figure on the pitch. Despite Fulham doing well, he missed a really good chance as well with Harrison Reed's cross. It was a free header. Absolutely. No doubt that Mitrovic of the past just sinks that into the corner and he just got it all wrong. It goes over the bar and stuff. And he had a few more difficult chances, but maybe a prime Mitrovic would have gobbled. Um, as as Is it just a case of, as Drew says, he needs one to go in off his backside and then, and then you know, it's like a batch. Oh, I'm, 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 let's, use, let's use the catch-up analogy again, which I've never heard <laughs> before. Um, so, yeah. Is that the case, Farrell, that we just need... Metro, just to get one, a scrappy one against Brighton or against Wolves and, and he'll be back to his normal self. He just, you know, he's just that he is a streaky player. But it just happened that last mm. season, his streak was the whole season.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. His streak is as long as that sliding tackle from Sol Campbell in that England game, where he pretty much went <laughs> onto Wembley town center. Um, to be honest, like the team is performing well. Even though Mitrovic isn't scoring many goals at the moment, I'm still happy with his contribution to the to the team. And I'm sure—I mean, none of us here are suggesting that Mitrovic is going to be dropped anytime soon for for Carlos Vinicius or recalling Rodrigo Rodrigo Muniz. I don't think that's going to happen anytime <laughs> soon.
1: That would be a shock.
3: That would be a massive shock. But his contribution to the team is still is still. Top notch. I feel like I think that his link-up play is still strong. Uh, His decision making is generally really, really good. He knows when he needs to drop deep, and he does. I I feel like he's dropping deeper and deeper, but that's fine. He knows when it's it's useful. Um, Sometimes he drops deep to defend, and it 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 works. Um, You know, so the fact he's not scoring goals doesn't really worry worry me that much. It's you know, we've had other players in the past are the strikers who who um don't score any goals but and then just don't really contribute anything else to the team as as well um you know the, the name bubakar Kamara springs to mind that's for sure so yeah I don't think there's any doubt doubt in my mind that he's going to be dropped anytime soon um yeah Mitrovic is I, I, but I think I think with him I still think he's I still think he's got that quality it's not like the players is generally sort of started lacking if that goal that he sort of puts those two defenders on on their backside if that goes in doesn't really show that he's a striker lacking in confidence like that was like that was like top quality Premier League striker right there putting two defenders on their ass and he was just kept out by you know a, a top class goalkeeper really so yeah, I think I think it's just one of those things where he'll probably score a D at, at Brighton on Saturday um, and then we'll be like, what drought? We don't care. It's fine. We're still winning. It's great. <laughs> good, old, good old Mitro.
1: Harry, in the uh, second half, um, Fulham did lose a little bit of control. Forrest were quite quick to make their subs. They got out of five, I think they made all five subs just after the hour mark. Fulham hadn't even made a sub as far as I remember um, by that point. And there was about 10 minutes where I was like, if I think Forrest might score here and, and it would have been a travesty considering how many chances we had. Willian hit the post. We hit the bar again through Pereira. Fulham was just so dominant. And that was a little bit concerning that on another day, I think for, and I think it was Sergio uh, Serge Aurier who forced a good save from um, Leno in the second half. That's the closest Forrest mm. came, but there were some moments where it was, millimeters away from, from being uh, a forest equalizer that will concern Marcus Silva, because whilst everything went well yesterday, that could have easily ended one, one. And that would have been such a disappointment considering how well we'd played.
2: Do you think it's a case of we're not making some of these substitutions early enough? Like we were speaking about Mitrovic just then personally, I wasn't happy that he was kept on until the 82nd minute. Mm. I think Solomon came on, a bit too late as well I think we just needed a bit more pace on those wings listen I was in the camp of Solomon needs to start Mm. against Forest after his performance against Sunderland it did look shaky in that second half but I think it's just a case of looking at some of our tired legs people that played in midweek as well because we know that people like Harry Wilson are capable of putting up stellar performances. We know that Solomon, that goal for Solomon now is just going to give him a world of confidence. And yes, I know that Bobby Decker-Dover-Reed has been sensational this year, but I want to see him take a game by the scruff of its neck and let Solomon have a start against Brighton. So I think Silver will probably look at it and probably think some of the rotations do need to come a bit earlier to keep it fresh. Mm. But hindsight's a wonderful thing and we don't really have anything to worry about. But going forwards... I think that's the angle that he probably needs to take. Mitrovic getting frustrated, not keeping on until the 82nd minute, because if he gets frustrated, you know what's going to happen. He's going to lash out at someone. Then he's out for three games because he's got that anger, that beast within him. So I think you just need to give him a bit of TLC and probably freshen it up a bit earlier.
1: So I slightly disagree. I don't actually think Mitro would lose his head. What I think happens, though is I just think he doesn't get involved in the game. And you could see it mm. yesterday. He wasn't keeping, he wasn't holding up the ball. His passes were under hit. He, he wasn't just being that general nuisance up front. And that was the point to me. I was like, I don't necessarily need you to score a goal here, Mitro. I just need you to, we were under pressure a lot and we just couldn't retain the ball. And the ball kept yeah. going back to forest. And I felt like Mitro just wasn't working hard enough. And that, that might come down to fitness and his own personal fitness. And, but what I do agree, though, once he's gone, once you can see his head's gone, I don't necessarily think he's going to kick someone because I think those days are over. <laughs> but I do agree that he's no use to us at that point. Like, we, we can all see where Mitrovic just isn't firing. And that point, I think we might as well bring on Carlos Vinicius. I agree. I think it was about 10 minutes earlier where we could all see ain't scoring today. Bring on Carlos Vinicius. Not only can he sometimes get his head on the end of things, he'll help, he'll have some he'll have some fresh legs and he might just cause that forest defense or to a problem. He might just run around a bit more. That was the thing. The forest defense just had so much time to do what they want. Pick passes. Shelby had the the freedom of Craven cottage just to, to cast his spells um, to to, (laughs) excuse the pun. Um, And and I think an earlier sub or two would have helped. Um, Drew Solomon did come on for, for Willie and, and and he got his goal. That's going to be massive. You can just see that with Solomon, he just needed that big moment at the Hammersmith End. I think we all thought that this moment where he got his first goal and stuff would have come yonks ago. But he's been through so much—you know, injury, getting back, and then kind of other players taking his place, rightly so. Um, so for him to have that moment, wonderful vision from Pereira to—I re- didn't even see that pass. I was in the Hammersmith Then I didn't even see that pass was on. Um, <laughs> but Pereira did, and he finished it well. He finished it really well, really calm, composed, and 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 that I think. I think we might have unleashed a beast here because I can see Solomon, you know, going on to bigger and better things from here.
0: Yeah, I don't think Sergio Jory saw that. I think it was Sergio Ryo. I don't think he saw that pass either because he was no. off the opposite <laughs> direction. <laughs> he definitely didn't. Um, yeah, it, it was shades of Kearney against Cardiff, wasn't it? In terms of that raw emotion of, he's, you know, we've got a player back after a long road. He, he nets in the hammy end and just, we all, we all are, you know, we all joined in our catharsis uh, welcome back, Manor Solomon. It was it was an, it was an excellent sort of a goal of such high quality, not because it, it helped by Aurea running off in the other direction, but it just had time stood still when uh, Pereira found Solomon and he, he had the chance to take like two touches and he didn't have to put it in any of the corners because it was just him and Kalon Abbas who by the way looks like he could be a villain in some sort of die-hard reboot doesn't he like he looks, he looks, <laughs> <even laughs> some sort of new metal band in the in the early <laughs> noughties <laughs> yeah but he just, no he could he be just, he didn't have to he didn't have to do anything special with the finish. He just he just got to slot it home. It was it was just as I say, we were all just joined in that moment of just happiness for him because it has been a long road. And, you know, I think one of the funny things is we're still there's still a little cloak of uncertainty over the, the terms of the deal. Some people saying that we're we're obliged to sign him for X amount and and buy the rest the one year left of his suspended contract. Other people are saying it's a loan. I don't know if any of us anyone truly knows for certain but uh, if we don't have him uh, on an obligation and I think we are we're obliged to sort that the fuck out pretty soon so cuz uh, it's, uh, it's already becoming quite clear that he's uh, he is a, a, a cut above, and one of those other players who, you know, if the Ukrainian league is not suspended, then do we get a sniff? I'm not, I'm not, so, I'm not so sure. So, uh, is 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 in that? You know, Fulham has always been that club where you get the Silvers, you get the Williams, you get the Solomons If they've had a step on their way, that's either their fault or not their fault that has set them back a little bit, and that's when we get them. So when we do have them, it's it's on us to to save them. But fantastic goal and fantastic moment, one of the moments of the season for me. Um, a big shout
3: out to Harry Wilson in the build up to it as well. Yes. And Kenny Tete. Um, mm. It's a lovely first touch from Harry Wilson to take it away from whoever it was. Um, Who absolutely clattered Ken- him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And then Kenny Tete to follow up and then ride a challenge and then find the right ball. Um, if, you know, it's, it's great play. I think it shows like the, not just the, you know, it's it's a landmark moment for Manu Solomon, but Harry Wilson getting this goal the other day, you can actually see a little bit of more energy in his play ever since he's come back to match fitness, really, after that long injury. And, um, you know, another another sort of, another player who's who's really come on leaps and bounds this season in Kenny Tete. He had a great season last year and then obviously found his way out the team because he got a small injury and then Neko Williams was... Uh, brilliant, but then obviously came in this year and has just gotten better and better and better. Um, it's wonderful. And I think he I think he's he's getting more of more of the fans ad- admiration. That's for sure.
1: Also, that goal, a little um, tactic that I've noticed Fulham adopting a tiny bit more. It's the feigned cross, but it's actually a pass to the top of the D. Now, that's how I think Kenny scored his goal against Sunderland in the FA Cup as well. So Levin Kazawa, rather than doing a normal cross that you might think that kind of goes into the six yard box in the air, it's almost like a disguised pass, almost backwards. So the, the defence are running towards the goal. And I think it's just like that player that's arriving into the box and it found Pereira this time and it, it seems to be working. I think Fulham have tried it a couple of times without it quite hitting the back of the net. I think it's um, a little Marcus Silver nugget that I've noticed. And I'm just waiting for Peter to do the expose uh, in the next few weeks um, on, on the Athletic. Sorry, Drew, you were about to say something.
0: No, no, nothing. Nothing as a, a nuanced as your tactical uh, little nugget there. And- by the way, Forrest will be fuming that they've been done by that little Marco Silver nugget, as well as the blocking corner that they got done by last season as well. Yeah, um, I was just going to say, because you can't get away with it on an audio, I was going to say, here's to Manuel Solomon. <laughs> Crack one for, uh, for him. <laughs> Didn't want to interrupt anyone else. <laughs>
1: There we go. Um, So yeah, uh, a fantastic 2-0 win, up to seventh in the table. Uh, There were some fantastic performances on the pitch, but they're kind of covered uh, in the question section. So we'll take a little break here. Afterwards, we'll get into some of your correspondence. This is an advertisement for BetterHelp, a portal for finding online therapy. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run Would you read more Fulham transfer rumours? Whatever it is, one thing that many of us have in common is wishing that we had more time. And therapy can be a place to help you work through what matters to you, so you can have more time to do it. Therapy is great for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the very best version of yourself. It's not just for those who experience major trauma. And if that's something you're looking for, that's where BetterHelp can come in. BetterHelp is entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. They'll match you with a UK mental health professional with a wide variety of expertise. There's no referral needed and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, giving you complete control over the whole experience. And Fulhamish listeners can get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com Fulhamish. That's betterhelp.com slash Fulhamish to get 10% off your first month. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast It is Sammy James here with Harry Durham, Drew Heatley and Farrell Monk. Thank you to everyone uh, who continues to support Fulhamish in the Fulhamish community, which is just a way of people uh, supporting all the podcasts, articles, videos that we make uh, financially. Uh, it means a huge amount. Uh, those people that do, um, you can join us if you want. It costs 4 99 a month. And also you get access to our Fulhamish telegram chats, uh, three different chats, um, um, always super busy there, particularly on a match day, particularly during the transfer window as well, and our tickets, pubs, and away days chats as well. Uh, always kind of active just before uh, big away matches. As I say, it's a way of supporting the content. If you get a lot out of the pod or the videos, etc., if you listen all the time and you just want to keep everything that we're doing uh, ticking along, um, then we hugely appreciate it. But if you can't or you're not able to, Don't stress, everything stays free. That's our ambition with Fulham. We don't want to put things behind a paywall. Uh, It's a completely voluntary thing Um, but if you're able to support us uh, there is a link in the description of this podcast or you can head to the Fulhamish website click the support button and all the details are there but yeah thank you very much to everyone listening uh, who already is supporting us Uh, it means an awful lot to us right let's get into some of your questions that we took in via Twitter today Uh, there were an awful lot so I'm going to try and get through as many as I can James Wilson, he says, Willian Pereira and Solomon will get the headlines, but did Tim Ream just have his best game in a Fulham shirt? Harry, wow. It was sensational yesterday. I think the one that got me was um, the tackle he made just before Willian hit the post in the second half. He read the dummy so well. He's like, he's going to dummy this. And, he, and the player behind him thought, I've got Tim Ream. No, you don't. Um, It was his reading of the game is just sensational. And it is a crime that he is 35, isn't it? It is just a pure crime. And but who knows? I think Tim Ream could still be doing this in his 50s. I think he's going to be the first 50 year old Premier League footballer. (laughs)
2: Sammy, it's ridiculous, and um, I saw you like my tweet last night. Whilst I was on the bus home, I was on the two seventy back to in Broadway after the game, and I tweeted on the bus on the bus home, so upset. Wish Tim Tim Ream was ten years younger. We need more time with him. Life just isn't fair, and it's not. It <laughs> is it's I I think about this all the time, and I think about group chats, I, I think about work, I I think about friends as well who are like Tim Ream. He's never been good. He's never going to be able to cut it in the Premier League. And now he's just stuck a massive two fingers up to everyone. Everyone in the footballing world who ever doubted him. And getting emotional was a bit dramatic. But seeing him yesterday, the reading of the game, the interceptions, the last ditch tackles, that long ball over the top as well to Willian, I think in the first half or Bobby Dick or Reed. I can't remember. I've just been in absolute awe of this man. This season and yesterday, I agree, was probably the best performance that he's had, probably in a Fulham shirt, if anyone's going to prove me wrong on that. It's... Oh, I was going to say something St. Bold, like a prime Franco Baresi or something like <laughs> that.
3: <laughs> Former sporting director of Fulham, Franco Beresi.
2: Yeah. It's like what Pep Guardiola said as well. If he was 10 years younger, he would probably be playing in Man City squad. And I agree with Pep Guardiola. It just makes me a bit sad. And performances like yesterday makes me so happy to have him in our squad. But if he was 10 years younger, we would probably have a £100 million defender on our hands, that's for sure.
0: I'd, I'd, I'd like to have my t- two cents on Tim as well. Uh, I am exposing myself today in many ways uh, for knowing nothing about football, but I said last uh, the in the summer that we were going to take uh, Tim out the back like old yellow and, uh, and say goodbye to him and... <laughs> well i've been absolutely mugged off because he's been absolutely exceptional but my dad put it best before the game we were talking about tim and um he said he's got the first 5 yards mapped out in his head before he even gets to the ball and he knows exactly what he's going to do and that that sort of helps the perhaps lack of pace or the age or whatever it is that might take some speed from you or takes his reading of the game is you know esque in terms of he he's got that exactly what my dad says he's got those 5 yards already done so he 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 he, he sort of like um yeah sorts that the age part out so it's uh it's a testament to him but i just want to apologize for the old yellow comment because it was uh it was <laughs> wrong and i'm I, i'm a fool um it
3: it now reminds me of that meme i've just got this image of it in my head of the meme um where the guy's like oh i better call an ambulance but not for me and the guy (laughs) and he pulls a gun and I feel like that's Tim Ream and Drew is the other guy that has the gun being pulled on him.
0: (laughs) AF will mark that one up, don't worry.
1: I also have my own Tim Ream apology when um, he played against Man United in the end of the lockdown season where we went down and then Scott Parker picked him at centre-back and I did did a tweet. I was like, oh wow, we're going to lose 8-0. Tim Ream's playing. Are we, all, I think all of us, and I remember when we did the Tim Ream podcast. I remember him saying he didn't outwardly out anyone, but he knew he knew that he'd already been written off like before that season. And and we asked him the question like, "Do you think you've got it? Got what it takes to do it in the Premier League?" And I remember we asked that question a bit like, "We know you haven't, Tim." And he kind of was like, "Well, you know, I'd never say never." Classic things that a footballer would say in that situation. <laughs> I think he knows that he had this in him. He just needed the right manager, the right circumstances. Imagine if we'd have just scrap heaped him after the Scott Parker season, and this could have never happened. And like, what a travesty that, that could have been. Um, yeah, a a sensational performance, um, from Tim Ream, uh, today. Let's go to this question. Speaking of, um, bad takes. Uh, Mark Hopping says hindsight is 2020, obviously, but why was there such skepticism around the Willian signing and such positivity around the Dan James signing on the deadline day podcast? Listening back, it seems very strange. I wasn't on the deadline day podcast. I'm going to absolve myself, but I probably <laughs> would have been the same. Um, Drew. I mean, another one where, as he said, as he said, he was written off and, and Dan James kind of came in as this quite exciting prospect. I, didn't think William was going to be terrible. I thought that William signing made sense. And I'm not just saying this in hindsight, but I thought as a backup, I, I thought that was all he was going to be. I thought he might come on. He might be a tricky winger for the final 10 minutes. I didn't see him getting past Cabano, Wilson, Solomon. Maybe I could have seen him getting past Deca Dover Reed. I didn't expect to see him in the first team this year, but I mean, and, and even Dan James, I would have thought that Dan James would have been ahead of William in the pecking order. Um, I mean, it's a 34-year-old and a 35-year-old who are currently running this Fulham team. I mean, it it gives us all hope, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And look... I'm not calling anyone out because I'm exactly the same, and I've just I've just sat there and got on my knees and begged for forgiveness. But there is an ageist element in there, and we all have it in football. You know, if if Farrell and I were playing in the Premier League, we would not be offered new contracts at the end of the season, uh, and that's not because of our performance on the pitch; it's because of the age, and that's just a thing that happens. That's fine. You get somebody like Dan James, in his early twenties, played for United, wherever it's gone well or wherever it's not. That's enough to tell the casual fan and even more more nuanced fan that there are there is a potential there willian there's an, there's a there's an age issue but also there's you know we've been bitten before right andre Schürler right we get we get these uh established quote unquote premier league players who come in whether it's on a loan or a short-term deal and you know everyone's saying oh it's such a class signing for you and you're thinking well actually we've seen it before we've been we've been bitten before so there's there's an element of both i think in there um and you know obviously Williams turned around and proved us wrong you can you've got that sliding scale from a Schürler to a to a Willian and he's now he's made that he's made that end of the scale his own. So good on him. But I think that's probably what it comes down to. Certainly did for me. I I do the exact same thing. Um and I, you know, I when we're in the championship, I find it tough to spend time following the Premier League that deeply. Um and so I'm 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 fixated on the championship. But so I didn't see him at Arsenal that much. But I remember he played against us first game of the season when we were up. I think it was his debut for Arsenal and he was he was mustered then, I think, from if memory serves, I might have got that completely wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I always thought he was good, but I also thought that he was probably a bit too old, and that's on me and that's on the rest of us. But hey, as long as we sit there and we pray and we get on our knees and we say to the Church of Fulham FC, Look, we are sorry, then we're, you know, we're absolved to blame ourselves and we can move on in the in the in you know in the Church of William.
1: Um Jason Sinclair says, Farrell, um, is Willian the best winger Fulham have ever had? Which Seems wrong. Seems like that can't be right. And I saw a few people, though, kind of talking about maybe William's technical ability might be. I mean, I would still... I mean, if you ask me best winger, I mean, off the top of my head, I would say Duff. I'm trying to think yeah. of someone better. I mean, Louis but Louis Bo
3: Louis
1: Steed. But maybe for technical ability then actually I think Willian's up there with the kind of levels that we saw from Berbatov in terms of actually what a player you are. You were obviously not the player that you were, although Willian is rolling back the years right now, but maybe technically I think Jason could be right.
3: Yeah. uh, I mean, I've said on this podcast before how much of a fan I am of Willian. So I definitely would put him up there even after six months in that category of of players, obviously, he needs a, another probably another couple of years under his belt to sort of match the sort of impact that Louis Beromorte would have had. And I mean, Steve Malbronk was one of my has probably one of my favourite Fulham players of all time. But especially when he played in sort of like the centre mid. But we're not talking about Steve Malbronk now. Um, but um, yeah, I think he, this is a guy who has won a Champions League, although it was like a decade ago now. Um and you know, he has played at the very, very highest level. So he's got to have that sort of technical ability as sort of as a base point. And I had I had definitely had no doubts that he was going to bring that kind of skill element to our game. Did I think he would have the impact that he has? No. I don't think anyone anyone did. Um I certainly didn't think he would end up sort of like starting every game considering the form of some of the other players that we have, but yeah, William is great, and he he's another one that's got the level of footballing intelligence that someone like Tim Reeb also has, in the same uh, as Tom Kearney. Really, he's kind of got it all mapped out in his head. Probably before he's got the ball, he knows what he wants to do. Um, you know, the goal yesterday, the way he sort of shaped to go outside, I'm pretty sure that he knew he was going to cut back inside and visit top bins that's probably the ones that we'll sort of say that yes that's that's how it's going to come at, go in my head and then you spoon it completely wide <laughs> and it hits the corner <laughs> flag
0: um
3: as our striker probably did as our strikers did this morning at one stage um but yeah um one thing i just want to say about lewis berne on the bbc commentary last night this is gonna it's it's living in my head all week um they obviously he was down at the uh being the sort of manager because Marco Silva was... Um, had you mean so that
1: you're talking about the Sunderland game here, aren't you? Not last night.
3: Yeah, yeah, Sunderland game. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, the BBC commentary said about Louis Bermorte that he... They went, Arsenal player, of course, Arsenal. Um, and they didn't, like, hardly mention Fulham. I don't know who was... I can't remember who was on COCOMs. They went, he did also play for Fulham, you know.
1: It was Steve Wilson. I remember it. He went like, um, uh, Louis Bermorte of course, uh, the, uh, the ex-Arsenal player. Uh, played for Fulham as well. Uh, it was like... <laughs> all right, mate, he's definitely more known for playing for Fulham than he was playing for Arsenal. Like, come on, does, does he
0: go to the Lineker school? Does he go to the Lineker school of like smug little line at one liners? Cause like that to me is like, yeah, it was quite handy for Fulham as well as in like he was actually really amazing for Fulham but like I'm really I'm really smug and funny like Lineker and I'll just say a little little wink to the camera a little side eye you don't know they're too clever at the BBC sometimes aren't they that's the thing it could go either way
1: I, I think it was an honest mistake I think he just kind of he had some notes about Louis Beaumont. Like, <laughs> yeah. I used to play for Arsenal <laughs> yeah. and thought and saw Arsenal before he saw Fulham I'm going to I'm going <laughs> to give him the benefit of the doubt on that I agree that Lineker likes making little smug jokes I'm going to put that down to a little mistake um, but it still was a bit where I was like, please remember he played for Fulham. Um, this is going to be really <laughs> embarrassing if you don't. Uh, um, let's go on to this question more of a point, really, but um, it's, it's a very good one. Um, his name on Twitter is Tomato, um, One uh, is his handle, anyway. Uh, he's Question is, we have more points than Sheffield United did in 1920, which was 33 at this stage, and Leeds did in the season 2021. They had 32 points at this point. Sheffield United finished ninth with 54 points, and Leeds finished ninth with 59 points. How confident are you that we could finish better than either of those did in their first season? So I think, Harry, what he's saying is can Fulham finish above ninth? Yes. (laughs) 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 Yes. <laughs> 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 how
2: many times did you say ninth theft? A well? lot, yeah. <laughs> um boys, I am deluded in the fact that I think we're gonna finish in a European place this year. We have the class. Ooh. We ha no, we have the ability. I'm I'm one of those delusional dreamers and believers. I hate Spurs so much. I pray for a Spurs downfall more than anything. Brighton have been incredible under De Zerbi. And wouldn't it just be perfect if Brentford just fell off the edge of a cliff somehow? I think we have the class from back to front. We forget that we have someone like Bernd Leno in between the sticks for us. We have Mitrovic, who is now a proven goal scorer. We have William, the, the, I'm going to call him almost like the wisdom. Of like Gandalf the Grey. He well, we are, is so are, smart we, along with Ream as We actually as have a well. question
1: here from Fulham, Catalonia. It says, is Tim Ream the new Benjamin Button? So maybe that's the analogy <laughs> you need.
2: <laughs> Was close enough. They are literally people of wisdom. So yes, answering that question. Ninth. Anywhere between seventh and fifth is ours. And that's probably a huge claim. I'm sorry, but I know we've been very lucky with some of the... We've always had somewhat the same team throughout the season. I know that Wilson and Solomon have been out for substantial amounts of time. But if we can keep all of those players fit, your Joao Polinas, your Harrison Reeds, they are like the heartbeat of that team for me, in my opinion. Um, And I think we can do it if that is the case.
1: I think yesterday was the first day where I've actually thought, you know what? Maybe like this Fulham team is just really good. And like, I've always kind of said like, Oh, I honestly think we're going to finish 10th, maybe 12th, 11th, like maybe Villa are going to catch us. Yes. There was the first day I was like, I'm, I'm actually starting to believe. I mean, yesterday is the day I actually was like, we're not going down. We are not, not, not going down. Like it is not happening. I know people are going to be like fuming that I've said that, but we like, this is, this is better than that. Like, look at this team. Like, and uh, but barring the most unfortunate set of circumstances ever, like, look at this team. You only have to use the, your eyes to realize that this team is, is far better than a lot of this league. Arsenal
3: are dropping points. So uh, yeah, let's catch them.
1: <laughs> I, I just, I think yesterday made me believe Harry that whilst I still think that something's going to tail off, something's not going to go quite right. I still think probably the, the sensible bet is ninth or 10th. Mm. Like, there was something about the performance.
2: If you think about depth as well, someone did a screenshot. I can't remember if it was one of you guys or someone else on Twitter yesterday who screenshotted our subs from the game when we played Forest, what was it in September or October yeah. and compared it to now, it's incredible. Mm. The people that we have coming off the bench, I'm delusional. I am completely <laughs> delusional and I think that we can do it. If you see some of the impact that we have coming off the bench, if we are bringing Solomon on, even though I want Solomon to start, if you have Harry Wilson, Vinicius as well, to run at defenders, as soon as they're tired, he can late goal
0: easily. Yeah. I, I think we need to start. Start a position to rename the bench. Just call it Hench because it is. It's looking good at the moment. <laughs> it's looking strong. And I thought that. I thought that the other day. I hadn't seen that screenshot that you mentioned, Harry. But that that is a, probably an excellent point because people are coming back at the right time. Mm. Um, and I think for years we've said there's a lot of dross in the Premier League. There is like, and but the, but the problem was we were we were part of that dross. We weren't. We couldn't. We couldn't rise above it. But now teams are starting to teams are starting to find find out how we play a little bit more, which is why we've had. Uh, not as much luck of late against the top top side, but actually there is a level of well, we are actually better than a vast majority of the bottom half, um, all of the bottom half, I would suggest. So that you know, it it's, it remains to be seen because we have had a sort of fantastic way of picking up the points so far to re- to maintain that is going to be harder. But you don't know, dear. Do it's possible.
1: Um, we've got a good question here from Woodrow Sweats, which is based on this. I go to you, this Drew. Would you rather keep beating the promotion teams and the teams below us or have some more famous wins against the top six? For him, it's to beat the teams below us. It's been such a pleasant surprise this year to do that consistently. I mean, the record, Drew, is still very much intact. I still think it's only that one loss to a team who are now below us. And that was the West Ham game, which I think we can all accept was a very unjust loss. I still don't think there's been a game against one of those teams where I think we've been the worse side. I think back to maybe games against Bournemouth. We weren't amazing, but we still got a point. But this run against teams below us in the league just keeps on going. Eventually, surely, that bubble has to burst. But that has been incredibly impressive. And it it makes those kind of like slightly agonizing defeats that we've had to the top five much easier because it's just like, right, well... We don't need yeah. wins. We don't need to beat Arsenal and Man City and all of that. It'd be lovely if we did or we'd all enjoy it. But I'm loving this run that we're on and this kind of perfection that we've got in the table that we are just beating the teams that we should be beating or drawing against. We're not losing to them. I guess that's the big thing.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot recently because that's the difference for me in a nutshell, that's the difference between us and Brentford, for example, right? Brentford are being spoken about so much by every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Uh no offense, Harry. Um <laughs> because um because they're getting the points and they're getting the uh they're getting the results against the top teams. But actually, if you're beating the teams in and around you, that is the foundation for not only a solid campaign, but a solid tenure in the Premier League, I think. If you can match Uh, the sides around you and take points from them that's what's going to take you up the table you know I take that this sounds glib but it's not meant to be anyone can beat the top teams on on any given day that's you know that's something that happens in the cup that happens all the time anything can happen in the Premier League and it does uh, to to sound like Martin Tyler, but what you need to do is is beat those ones in and around you, and that's what is true stability. So yeah, for me, every day, and let them underestimate. Let, let us not be spoken about by Alan Shearer and Garth Crooks and all the rest of them who has their little uh, teams of the week and and all of this. Just let them forget about us because actually we'll come we'll come from our, like a freight train. And I, I'm I'm confident about that. Let Tony get his little equalizer against Arsenal. That's fine. Uh, I like to be underestimated, and I think it's. Where we're at is a lot more uh is, is a lot more solid than than anywhere else
1: keep giving sammy just a minute on the overlap despite, exactly. despite <laughs> it being a two and a half hour show <laughs> just keep just keep <laughs> <laughs> you don't get it by the way so uh, this is a bit of behind the scenes but i said i did the overlap if you don't know what the overlap is it's like gary neville's youtube channel and it's the fan debate and I, I really like getting invited by the way so don't like take this as like me being like neg or whatever but it is really funny that i go there and it's all of the like big youtubers from like i don't know that the city guy's quite famous robbie lyles there from AFTV, all the usual crew and it's just me in the corner basically And I wondered why I was invited to this one. So I was like, it's not even like we're in a relegation battle where there might be something to talk about. I was like, I don't really know why I'm here. Like, what are you going to ask me? That's going to actually interest a general audience here. And the edit isn't quite as how it happened where basically they did all the teams that were there. And Josh Denzel, I think got something in his ear when they were, and he was like, "Uh, Josh, you're going to need to mention Fulham here. He traveled all the way up to Manchester. You need to just literally ask him one question. And he goes, so, um Fulham Sammy been a good season, <laughs> <Just that line. laughs> right. I see what's happened here. I don't know, why. and I, I try my best to like chime in for a minute and, and keep people's attention. Um, but yeah, the edit does it some justice. It doesn't quite seem so obvious, but um, it was quite funny. Um, but hey, it's nice to be invited up and uh, and to hang around with Neville and carriga for the little that they care about Fulham. Um, let's do a couple more questions. Uh, Farrell, I want you to answer this one. It says uh, this is from. It's only Fulham. Uh, he says, could Lukic and Mana Solomon force their way into our first 11? Yeah, everyone kind of got a run out yesterday. Even um, Cedric Suarez managed to come on for a couple of minutes as well. I thought there was a moment where Lukic was going to score, which would have been incredibly exciting, but he slightly miscontrolled it and the chance went away. Um, at the moment, as things stand, I don't see anyone breaking into this first 11, but I don't know, maybe you see something I don't.
3: No, I agree. At the moment, no one's getting to the team listening to what you were saying before about mana solomon he's he's had such a, a great a good impact and we know how bright he is we know his ability on the ball but is he getting past William and bobby decker dover reed i don't think so unless they get knocks and cedric swaz is not is not uh getting past kenny kenny tetty Bebe anytime soon um <laughs> sasha lukic uh, yeah, there's definitely a player there. I mean, I'm not going to be sitting here and saying that I've seen him, you know, play loads and loads throughout my time. But what I saw in his in his cameo yesterday gives me a lot of belief. Um, and there's definitely a lot of energy there. And there's certainly quality on the ball. My favourite moment was where someone, I think they cleared the ball up the line and Cedric Suarez, like it bounced off his chest uh, like it was fired at him so quickly and he still was able to sort of like uh control it pretty well on his chest like as if as if he had sofa cushions uh attached to his boobs really it was it was a, it was a, a small but a small moment that but one that i i, I noted in my head really but yeah that I, I just can't see them any times while the while the team are playing as well as they are without injuries i just don't i can't see them forcing their way as the team and Marco Silva isn't one for rotating. We don't have Slav Bingo card. We don't have the Scott Parker wild card anymore. What we do have is a set hand that Marco Silva likes to display every week in, week out.
1: I guess for Mana Solomon, I, I firstly definitely think that he will start the Leeds game in the fifth round of the cup. I think that's um, pretty um, obvious, as Mark said, maybe there might be moments where Marco will see tactically that mana is better for facing a particular right back. There's a certain weakness or a certain strength that he wants mana to kind of like expose Um but as you say, Farrell, I don't see him changing it. Um, and one of those players that we just talked about that would need to be displaced, um, who had a brilliant game yesterday, Harry, and we haven't mentioned him yet. Harrison Reed, Colin Bugler just asks, Harrison Reed, comma discuss, full stop. So yes, we should give Harrison Reed his dues. He was electric yesterday, and I think thrived. With the fact that he didn't get replaced by Kearney, he actually kind of played a bit of the Kearney role in the second half. He was calm, methodical, and actually, I thought that Shal Pulenia. I didn't massively notice him too much in the second half. It was all about Harrison Reed.
2: I was in the camp of one of those people that what, it might be only me in this camp that wanted <laughs> Harrison Reed to be dropped from Tom Ke- for Tom Kearney over the next couple of weeks, and in particular yesterday. But I've eaten my words, and uh, Harrison Reed shook me like he has all season just the cleaning up of the ball for a guy like of his size as well and how physical he is and I've said it before in tweets or on YouTube or whatever he is like a little Jack Russell just constantly nipping at your ankles and just muscles anyone and he is not scared of anything and my favourite moment yesterday as well I don't know if you guys saw it where the ref took him out
1: oh yeah that was annoying <laughs>
2: It was annoying, but I got a little giggle from me, man. Got a little giggle, but I, I've been a huge admirer of Harrison Reed for such a long time now, and it feels like he's constantly getting praise. And when you think about your players of the season and stuff like that, I almost don't even know who's choose, but he should definitely be up there. <sighs>
1: that is going to be the toughest choice. There's about five. Like,
2: if you actually break Mm -hmm. it down, because I don't think I've fallen in love with a player so much as I have with Joao Polina, personally. But Harrison Roos obviously been a mainstay in this team for so long. And when he says something like discuss, I almost get a bit bored of talking about Harrison Reid and Joel Polina because they're just so perfect it's like I am reiterating every single week every time I go on YouTube and make a video about Fulham I am saying the same thing both of them are perfect <laughs> both of them are I don't I don't even get it it's like they should be playing at um, top four clubs in my opinion and Joel Polina probably will be yeah. come the summer
0: it's the new uh, Murphy and two isn't it you know they're, they're <laughs> The, the love affair between the two uh, midfielders in the centre of the park. We've not had that relationship since then, so uh, we can crown them tonight. Harry, are you going to
3: turn up at Motspur Park where, in Love Actually-style billboards that say, to me, you are perfect? <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Turn up at Jao house, Jao cottage. Um, <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, Uh, Final question here from Brian Head. Uh, I'll get an answer from everyone on this. He said, with the Super Bowl happening today, who would you football experts pick to kick the possible game-winning field goal out of the current Fulham squad? Uh, Brian's suggestion is Willian, given his accuracy yesterday. So it's the fourth quarter and it's the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know. I know nothing about NFL, but... (laughs) One of the Fulham players has got to kick the winning field goal into the posts. Um, who are we picking? <laughs> Drew? God, I just massively exposed myself to some sort of NFL fraud there. I'm sorry to everyone that in, in, listens in America and loves NFL.
0: What's a supper bowl? Uh... <laughs> 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 um well he, maybe maybe Mitch, seeing as he's missing the goal at the moment for his pens maybe he could like go a little higher I don't know that's so unfair I'm so sorry I don't know anything about the NFL <laughs> either Mitrovic I do apologise uh, no idea so, I, mean, I don't know anything about American football I'm sorry
1: basically I think he's saying who could kick the ball over the bar if, if, you, if you're really wondering oh then
0: Bert Leno because he can take a great goal kick okay. how's, that? how's that for
1: you I'm
3: sorry <laughs> Farrell? Uh, two names sprung to my mind when you're doing that. The first one being Tom Kearney, because I once saw him hit the Putney end scoreboard uh, once <laughs> with a shot. Uh, okay. So that was pretty high and straight. And the other one is a bit of a rogue shout. I'm going to go for Gus Ulenbeek because he used to <laughs> dribble down the left-hand side. And then every time he crossed the ball, it pretty much went high and wide and over the bar pretty much. never, Never found a single soul. So he might be pretty good.
1: I must have misunderstood current Fulham squad unless Gus <laughs> is still, unless he's still on the books somehow.
3: We, we've rescued him from lower league football. He's back now and he's 15. Oh, okay. That's good. <laughs> I must have missed that
1: signing. Um, um, Harry? I'm just going to go
2: straight boring and Andreas Pereira. Because I don't know if you guys remember, before he signed for Fulham, I think for Flamengo, he scored like a 42-yard free kick mm. in the Brazilian league. I swear. I'm not dreaming about this. This actually happened where it was one of those free kicks where there is no wall. There is no... uh, He has no right to shoot from there and just goes for it, knuckleballs it and goes in. So there's your simple answer. The Super Bowl was coming to Craven Cottage. Knuckleball is for baseball
1: though. Wrong sport.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was better than our answers, mate. So yeah, yeah,
1: 100%. (laughs) I'm just going to go for Tim Ream because there's nothing that Tim Ream can't do really. And... He's American. He would understand the significance of needing to score the, uh, the winning field goal. Whereas I think maybe other players in our team just wouldn't, wouldn't get the occasion, wouldn't get the moment. Whereas uh, I think Tim Ream would. Um, so I'm, I'm going to give it to Tim. Um, Farrell, it feels like a real downer to mention this now, but it would be a bit churlish for us not to. We are going to come on to him future podcasts and things like that. But obviously, like there was a big Twitter storm. I was part of the Twitter storm. You were part of the Twitter storm um, on Friday, Thursday night when the Leeds ticket prices got announced, which were 40 quid um, each um, for that FA Cup fifth round match. I mean, I'm still, it's annoying when like, obviously like to have to even mention it because the football's so good. And it's such a stain on this season that this keeps coming up and it just doesn't need to, it doesn't need to be in our minds or attentions. If the club just did, not do stupid things like charge this amount for an FA cup match that just goes against i think everything that the FA cup and Fulham is about and I, i'm and, and and the tweet i did on thursday was just i'm running out of running out of fucks to give because it's just keeps happening and there's nothing that it seems that anyone can do about it it's it's just it's just turning into a joke really and and, and it's just the detachment of the people making these decisions and we don't know who they are well certainly i don't you might know more is is just astounding
3: yeah um it is really annoying like you're quite right in saying that we should be just fully focused 100 percent on how brilliant fulham are on the pitch but that is not what a football club especially that we know in england is not about essentially there's you know, it's a, it's a, it is a community thing. We try and get as many Fulham fans coming to to Fulham as possible. But in the club's eyes, it's more about just getting any fan in with money into the stadium. Uh, and you were quite right in saying uh, on Twitter, and when we spoke about it in the week as well, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't see, we shouldn't see Fulham. Any more as that kind of like special family club, and we shouldn't be surprised by what the actions they're doing because they have been doing it for years and years. That they don't treat us as Fulham fans anymore; they just treat us like uh, walking wallets, effectively. And you know, there was there's a you know we we do sort of like caveat it a little bit with you know season ticket prices, which are really reasonable at the moment, but don't think for a second they're not going to come for season tickets next. Um, that's what we've always got to warn people about. And yes, it is. It's so disheartening and demoralizing to think that well, we can't do anything about it because, as cliched and as wanky as it sounds, the, you know, we'll let them win effectively, and we don't want that to happen because once once they come for once they come for um, your fans who can't really afford to get a season ticket or the other or they or they um, don't necessarily have uh the means or to have a season ticket and they are being priced out they will come for us next um you know we did the survey we do the survey every year and this year we tried we did it in a way that we can work out how much of an effect it's had on fans and you know of the people that bought tickets last year um a third, one in three, up until the up until the World Cup break, had bought zero tickets this year, and they had they had spent money last year, and now they're not coming at all. And a further twenty five percent on that, they've only spent, they've only bought one ticket up until that point, and it's very likely that that has continued throughout the season. Um, and it's not right. It's not right at all. It it goes back to this whole legacy fans thing. Shahi Khan wrote, um, in his notes after the European Super League, um, thing was mooted. He wrote. Um, something along the lines of Fulham want to remember that the, the biggest stakeholder in the club is the f- generations of Fulham fans that have been coming and we will never forget them but that, that was obviously just words. They want to discard the legacy fans. They want to bring in the fans, bring in the people that have got more money and that's who they care about. So we just need to keep banging that drum because otherwise it won't be Fulham Football Club anymore. It will just be a football club that's situated in Fulham with some customers that turn up every now and again, really.
1: Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, look, as I said, I've like kind of got to my wits end of talking about it because it's just, it is what Fulham are now. And I think the days of expecting, you know, there's been lots of chat in the last few weeks. Oh, they didn't put any free coaches on for Sunderland. Oh, um, you know, Fulham don't do this for the fan base or Fulham don't do that. We can't expect it there's nothing to expect anymore of any goodwill or anything that's going to happen like that or good prices or anything like it it is now just becoming plainly obvious what the strategy is and look farrell seems to have some hope that fans can mobilize and change i don't know what hope there is left i think this is the new fulham now and look we can love the team we can love the you know, the manager and and everything on the pitch. But, but right now I'm not finding a lot to love about off the pitch stuff. I will always be proud of Fulham's location and its fan base and its stadium and everything else like that drew. But like right now, everything off the pitch is just, it's finding it hard to love because it's, it's, it's just a business. And I guess at some point we're all just gonna have to sign that contract, but Let's let's ditch the whole while well, we're a special family club that cares about our fans. Or uh, that, that's it's, it's dead. It's dead in the water. It died years ago, and now it's just a floating corpse.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was having a beer before the game with a childhood friend, uh, Fulham fan. We we are childhood friends because we're the only Fulham fans in the village. And um, he on Thursday decided he he hadn't been this season because of various reasons, but he really wants to go and see the team. Ninety quid, Riverside stand. Thirty pound train from where where we grew up uh, in Hampshire. So before he'd even set foot in the Weatherspoons pub, which he did from uh, opening, by the way, because he was so buzzed for the game, <laughs> he'd spent over a ton. I mean, it's just, uh, he spent over a hundred pounds before. 10 o'clock that morning it's just it and that's not sustainable for anybody i don't care how much money you earn and it's just a shame and it's you the fan base is split you know some people say oh stop moaning the season tickets prices are great or some people are like stop moaning it is what it is other people are saying you know it's disgraceful we should do something about it that's fine it's always going to be the way but as faz says You know, it's going to be a very, very interesting summer when the season ticket renewal prices come out, because on the Riverside stand uh, 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 signs, you can see during the game, sign up for the waiting list for the season tickets. We're oversubscribed. And you know what that means? You can charge whatever you like. So look, there's going to be a few people switching sides come June uh, when it comes to the great ticket debate. Let me tell you, because it's going to it's going to be a nasty shock. So and I hope I'm wrong, but I doubt I am. I mean, the, the one last thing to
3: say about it was in Shahi Khan's uh, program notes that were released on the website on Friday when all this uh, Twitter storm was going on, his first sentence said, welcome to another sellout game at Craven Cottage. Um, and it wasn't sold out. <laughs> they push, You know, Chelsea didn't sell out. Spurs didn't sell out. Uh, I don't think any of the home games have sold out since, since the turn of the year. Despite everything going on the pitch and we're having one of our most successful seasons ever. And they're still trying to push the line that, well, it's selling out. So therefore there's nothing wrong and it's not even selling out
1: no indeed right well then there will be some more discussion on this uh, on the Thursday club uh, later in the week and on the Fulhamish website and everything else like that um, you know there was so much to say about the match yesterday and it was so amazing that I didn't really want to have to lower the tone but it would have been a bit churlish I think for us to do this and, and to not mention it at all given how much of a rage uh, a lot of people were rightly in on um, on Friday about those uh, about those Leeds tickets uh, before we end uh, let's name the podcast Drew what would you like to go with
0: I'd like to go with Drew no I'm joking um, I <laughs> <laughs> i'm very tempted but i'm not gonna do it i'm going to go with and there were loads by the way the one i really agree with the most is uh and it's no wordplay but it does really ring true is is quality over quantity and that's what that's what bore out yesterday
1: yeah i think that's nice i think it's a nice little subtle dig isn't it but at the same time just um saying how good we were yesterday. So let's go for it. Who, who said that one?
0: Uh, sorry. Yeah, that was Ashley Dennis at Ashley Dennis.
1: Well, well done, Ashley Dennis. Uh, <laughs> right. That will do for the podcast today. Thank you very much to my guest. Harry Durham. What a debut. Clap him off the pitch. Thanks, thanks guys. Thanks. Uh, Drew Heatley. <laughs> thank you. Pleasure as
0: always. Thank you very much. And Farrell, thank you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: All right, the Thursday club will return on Thursday. Shockingly, uh, with myself, Jack and Peter looking ahead to that Brighton game at the weekend. 6th, Thursday, 7th. That is going to be one hell of a match, particularly for the neutral. Um, I think the TV have missed a a big one there. I think this one could be uh, a classic on Saturday. So join us later in the week for that. Plenty of good Fulhamish content coming on the website and on YouTube as well. So make sure you subscribe to both of those. But until then... Have a lovely week. How many whites? Few whites.